The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the U.S. Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Welcome to The Verge. Um, this is our first episode in a while. I'm uh, Zach Spedden, joined by Nick Stevens and Bob Phelan. Um, as you may remember, in mid-March, we went on hiatus because of the uncertainty surrounding professional baseball and really society as a whole amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Right now, we still face a lot of unknowns um, as it pertains to baseball and society at large, but focusing it on baseball specifically, we still don't know if or when the 2020 Major League season will start. And although there was some reporting last night that suggested the minor league season was canceled or will be canceled, um, that is not the case yet. Um, there are certainly some doubts about the minor league season and how it could unfold if it does happen. But for right now, we're still sitting in limbo um, with a lot of scenarios being thrown out about how MLB could play, what the implications for the minor leagues look like. Regardless, it seems like we are probably weeks or months from seeing baseball if we see baseball at all in 2020. Um, But for this episode, we're going to discuss some of the player development implications of uh, the delayed, shortened, or suspended season for the minor leagues, which of those scenarios comes to be. And we are going to get into the draft because there are still plans for a 2020 Major League Baseball draft to move forward all be in a little bit different form uh, than what was originally expected. So, Nick, I'll start with you. Um, Given the circumstances right now, if there is a season at all for minor leaguers this year, what sort of challenges do you think the players are going to face? Yeah, I mean, these guys are going to face a lot of challenges this year. I think just because none of us as much as we want to are going to be sitting at a stadium or an arena anytime soon so if there is a major league season i 
like you said, nothing's been definite. Nothing's been definitely uh, confirmed yet, but I don't see a minor league baseball season happening at all this year. Um, so if you're at least able to get these guys to a spring training complex, you know, for the Orioles, get them down into Sarasota working out together. Uh, but then it's a matter of how many minor leaguers are there going to be allowed uh, to bring down to Sarasota. Um, are you going to be able to play against other teams? Is it going to be just like intra-squad scrimmages? Uh, what's that going to look like? Um, you're also looking at like, I'm thinking about, you know, this contraction that's most likely going to happen now. Um, minor league teams, if, if they're not playing games at their stadiums, that's their main source of revenue is ticket sales and concession sales. Um, so this contraction of 40 or 42 teams is probably likely to move forward. Um, so now you look at how many of these Orioles minor leaguers, how many of them are on the chopping block now uh, with one less affiliate. Um, so I think for these younger guys, definitely, I think you're, it's going to be challenging to get them um, the kind of work they're expecting to get this year, uh, playing in Aberdeen or, or Delmarva this year. Um, you know, you're looking at pretty much a two, three month long spring training type progress or type season. So at the upper minor guys, you guys like Ryan Mountcastles and Dean Kramers and Keegan Aikens, you know, we can dive into them a little deeper. But, you know, I think if there is a season, they're still going to get work. But, yeah, I'm kind of looking at those lower level minor league guys and saying what's what's next for them. Any any thoughts for that, Bob? I couldn't agree more with what Nick's saying there. I was thinking along the same lines of, Maybe best case, you just can keep as many minor leaguers in your in Sarasota and just do like a extended spring training as long as possible. Maybe you can play against other teams very close by. Um, but yeah, it's really going to suck for the development, especially the, the lower level guys, the guys newer in the system. Maybe the guys that are dark, dark horses as far as, you know, becoming something, they're going to want to focus on the more promising talents first and foremost and if they can't get in-game action maybe they can at least do some personal instruction whether virtually or in person and through k-vest and other technology luckily we have these days maybe they can at least try to work on things uh to the best of their abilities in the situation yeah if it does get to a worst case scenario where we don't see a minor league season or you know as nick mentioned maybe you have a small group of minor leaguers that are probably closer to the majors uh, sent to Sarasota or somewhere like that. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how the Orioles make sure that players who are lower in the system, and especially some of their top prospects, players like um, Gunnar Henderson, who you know we were very high on a few weeks ago when we were talking about our uh, top 30 prospect list. Um, how do you keep a guy like that? You know, make sure he stays in shape. Make sure that he's getting enough in. Uh, that when the 2021 season rolls around, he can not hit the ground running necessarily because there's gonna, you know, there's gonna be a little bit of a rough patch there. I'm sure for players if they do face an extended layoff, but just try to make it as normal as possible. Um, that's something that probably as things progress, if it does get to the point where we don't have a minor league season, where we're gonna be talking about a little bit more. I think. Yeah, that's and, a good point. Yeah, and I was thinking like. You know, obviously what Mike Elias has brought, this developmental program he's brought to the minor leagues, it works. Uh, early results are at least very positive. Uh, look at what Delmarva did. Look at what Aberdeen did. 
uh, even down in the Gulf Coast League, the results that these kids are putting up, the 2019 draft class put up fantastic numbers in their short, you know, short stints. So I was thinking like, yeah, it, it's at least, you know, they have, like you said, that they can, this new technologies are bringing into the system. They can still get work in, but I mean, and you can still translate that to on-field practices and, and scrimmages, but like how much rust is there going to be when you're still virtually taking a year off because you're not playing that, that more intense competition. Yeah, and I guess yeah. they can treat it as like a extended off season when and I think I've heard that like the off season is where you can make your most focused improvements, but you still have to see if it translates in games. So, you know, hopefully they'll be able to develop as if there was a season, but you'll never really know until the games get back going like normal. Yeah, and there have been a lot of reports especially this week that are striking a pretty optimistic tone about MLB for 2020. Most of them suggesting we're going to have some sort of season, um, but that the format and the number of games, there's a lot of things that are still need to be worked out, but it still seems like we're a few weeks away from knowing what could happen uh, with Major League Baseball. And once that is in place, then I suspect we're going to have a better sense of what's going on in the minors. Yeah, definitely. One thing we do know for 2020 is that preparation for the draft is still underway. Um, A date has not been set. I will note, though, that John Heyman reported yesterday that that June 10th was was the original date. Uh, Could be the date that the draft is held. An agreement could allow MLB to cut the draft significantly uh, down perhaps to 10 or 5 rounds, though that has not been determined yet. Um, the date has not been determined, but despite that, there's still a good bit of buzz uh, surrounding the draft for the Orioles because they still hold the number two pick. And the top two players at the top, or have that edited out, uh, the two players at the top of the draft class, um, Spencer Torkelson and Austin Martin, uh, give the Tigers and Orioles two pretty good options. The Tigers will be picking ahead of the Orioles with the number one overall pick. Uh, earlier this spring, it seemed like most mock drafts had Martin going to Detroit. But a few that have come out more recently, including one from MLB.com this week and one from Baseball America earlier um, in April, now have Spencer Torkelson going number one, with Austin Martin dropping to number two in Baltimore. Obviously, with the season shortened and both players playing well until the NCAA baseball season was canceled. Performance is not necessarily a factor, but Nick, I'll start with you. What do you think of the prospect of the Tigers drafting Torkelson? Or do you think that they're going to look at Martin and Torkelson falls to Baltimore? Yeah, this was like we were talking about before we came on air. I'm more excited about this year's draft than even last year, knowing last year that we were going to get Adley Rutschman, uh, number one overall. But this year, we don't really know who the Orioles are going to take with the number two pick. Um, it was a lot of Austin Martin going to Detroit talk. And then, like you mentioned, a lot of the mock drafts, a lot of the draft discussion has been uh, sending Torkelson to Detroit. I'm fine with that. I hope Detroit does take Spencer Torkelson. Um, the guys, I've, I've been really trying to dive in pretty hardcore with this draft stuff lately, especially now during quarantine. But the last few years, this has become a new fun little project uh, for me. But, you know, Torkelson's a guy that's got this the elite power tool. He's going to hit 30, 35, 40 home runs every single year in the middle of a lineup. Uh, 
there are reports that say he could play left field, so maybe he's a little bit more versatile than just a first-base prospect, which is, I think, what kind of knocked him down to maybe the Orioles at number two and all those early draft boards. But, you know, if that extreme power tool he has is going to be great for Detroit, uh, he's going to be a fast rider through the system, and that's going to leave the Orioles with Austin Martin, a guy who's third-base prospect who plays center field, um, Two of the questions that I know a lot of people had about him were, can he play shortstop? And uh, how much will his power develop this year? And obviously we didn't get to see that. But this kid's still got a tremendous hit tool. He's got some speed. He's a really good defender. Um, Orioles don't really have any prospects on the left side of the infield, except like a Gunnar Henderson. Um, Even center field, you've got like Ryan McKenna, who there's questions about his bat. Um, Is Austin Hayes the center fielder of the future for the Orioles? We don't know yet. But if Austin Martin can step up and be that guy, this is a more versatile player. Still exciting process, still exciting tools that I love. Um, I would love it if the Orioles were able to grab Austin Martin with this number two overall pick. Yeah, I'll be happy either way. I mean, this is a pretty top-heavy draft, or at least it might be a deep draft, but the names at the very top are all super strong between the pitchers and the hitters. But yeah, I think Austin Martin and Torkelson are clear one-two. I know you don't pick draft in baseball for a position of need, but Austin Martin definitely would more fill that for us than uh, Torkelson would, but can't go wrong either way. And it'll be exciting uh, as you get into the later rounds too, what we do. Martin has always intrigued me because as Nick mentioned, you know, you're looking at multiple positions on the diamond, you know, of where he could play. And although as, as I agree with you, Bob, you generally don't draft based on need, and I don't think the Orioles should right now. I think they just need to focus on getting elite talent into their farm system. Uh, Martin is elite talent, and I like the fact that he could put there's a number of positions he could play, and although his power is not going to match Spencer Torkelson's, the pure hit tool is still really good. Um, At the same time, though, if Martin does end up going number one and Torkelson falls, uh, to number two, I'll be very, you know, I think the Orioles will come out well there. They'll get a sure middle-of-the-order hitter who, worst-case scenario, is probably a first baseman. That is, you know, Nick said, could be a threat to hit 30, 35, 40 home runs every year. And if your middle-of-the-order going forward is him and Adley Rutzman, that's a pretty good pairing. Or if you have Austin Martin and Adley Rutzman up the middle on your 2022 or 2023 team, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah, that's a sign of a bright future. So I feel like the Orioles, regardless of who Detroit takes, the Orioles are in a spot where they can still come away with a really good player. And I actually think that this reflects the 2020 classes stronger than what we saw in 2019, where the debate was between Adley Rutzman and Bobby Witt Jr. I think by the time we got to the draft last year, there was a pretty clear-cut gap between Rutzman and Witt. Whereas this time around, partially because of the shortened season, but then also because of how advanced both players are, I don't think there's much of a gap between Martin and Torkelson. Um, I do want to throw this out, and I'll uh, let you start, Nick. Do you think there's any scenario where someone else goes in that spot for the Orioles? 
Yeah, and you've seen a couple mock drafts, some more like the national mocks and some more like the local localized smaller mock drafts do have the Orioles going elsewhere. Um, I know CBS Sports had um, the Orioles going with New Mexico State's uh, second base shortstop guy, uh, Nick Gonzalez, who I love. I love that type of player. Um, he's proven he can hit outside of New Mexico. He had a huge league, a huge season in the Cape Cod League, but I think that's a bit of a reach. Um, but there is a, the top pitcher in this draft is Texas A&M's Asa Lacey. I know it was Emerson Hancock for a while. Um, I love Hancock. He's an outstanding pitching prospect, but I like Lacey a lot more than Hancock. Um, ever, ever since the winter, I've had him above Hancock in, in my kind of personal rankings. He's a lefty, those in the upper 90s, four pitches, dominated the competition uh, earlier this year. Wasn't able to get into SEC play, which which kind of stinks because I know a lot of people are really hoping for that Lacey-Hancock matchup. But I honestly wouldn't be mad if they even went Lacey. You can't have too many good pitching prospects um, if there is such thing as a pitching prospect, you know, as they say. But, you know, that's a name that I think to watch closely. But like I, I mentioned this before we got on, um, it was Baseball America that was pumping out a lot of good draft content lately. And they did a Q&A, and one of the questions was kind of, who are these guys outside of the first round um, to watch as far as like all-star potential in the second and third rounds of this draft? And they listed off a handful of high school pitching prospects. So yeah, this draft is deep. There's a lot of good college pitchers. There's a lot of good college talent, but... The Orioles have three picks within the top 40 in this draft, so there's a lot of opportunity to get some high-quality um, talent. If you go college bat first, there's going to be pitchers waiting for you. And if you go Ace Lacy at number two, there's probably still going to be some good college hitters waiting for you. Yeah, I can't see any way they take – I like Nick Gonzalez too, but I just don't see any way they would take him over either Torkelson or Martin. I think the only real threat at number two for us would be Lacy, like you said. I also like him more than Hancock. And yeah, we have a lot of depth at starting pitching as far as prospects go right now. But other than D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez, we don't really have that number one potential top, top starter. So would definitely be a, a nice addition to the to the farm system. Yeah, I I kind of agree with both of you. I, I still think it's going to end up being Torkelson or Martin um, at number two. I do think that there are some options. If you're going to... If you're not going to go with one of those two, I would almost prefer to see the Orioles take Lacey over Gonzalez because I think the upside has the potential to be a little bit higher. And not to mention, you would add a pitcher that could potentially reach the majors faster. But I think that this draft class is deep enough that they don't have to do that in order to improve their pitching. And we could see a reversal of last year, which the top of the draft last year for the Orioles was very hitter heavy. And this year, we may see the Orioles mix it up a little bit, especially with only having, you know, probably five to ten rounds to work with. Uh, mix it up a little bit, get some pitchers in there, and hopefully be able to build a strong draft, even though you're not going to have the depth that you can get from other drafts. Maybe still get some elite talent in there. Um, I have the draft order up here. Right now, the Orioles uh, will pick second. And then they will pick 30th. Remember that the 30th pick this year is not in the first round because Houston Astros had to forfeit a pick over the sign-stealing scandal. The 30th pick will be in competitive balance round A. The Orioles will then pick at 39 in the second round. And um, 
then they'll have the second pick in the third round. So this is a good chance for the Orioles, even if there is a shortened draft, to build some talent. Yeah, yeah I was, absolutely. I was going to work on something, kind of look at like Orioles late round draft steals, those late round gems. And then when you look at the Orioles draft history, it's not that much fun to really look at. Um, kind of scrapped that idea. And I was really trying to justify like not cutting this draft from 40 rounds because I've become this kind of like draft nerd that I will sit here and listen to all 40 rounds of the draft, honestly. Um, being someone that follows like mid-major college programs and there's a lot of good D3 schools right up the road that I watch, a lot of national powerhouses at the D3 level. So I like watching those kids, you know, having their names scroll across. And I was trying to like justify, come on here and justify like you've got to have 40 rounds or at least 20 rounds. This five round stuff isn't going to work, but Actually, if you look at, like, just take the Orioles. I don't know about the overall top 100, but if you look at just the Orioles' top 30 list, just using, like, MLB Pipeline, um, seven of their top 30 were first-round picks, and only one out of that top 30, uh, Dean Kremer, was drafted outside of the first 10 rounds. He was The Dodgers wow. grabbed him in the 14th round. So that was a little bit surprising. And, yeah, I mean, once you get past the 20, I looked past the 20th round, and some of the top Orioles' talents are, like, you know, guys like Cliff Lee, who none of that success was done with the Orioles. Any hits they yeah. had didn't end up having careers with the Orioles. So maybe 10 rounds is a good way to go. And yeah, you can still increase <laughs> yeah. the pipeline down there. We'll be all right, I think. Yeah, I do hope they give us 10 rounds. Five seems a little light. I mean, that extremely light, to be honest. I don't even know how teams could really fill out their farm systems with that, at least consistently. But yeah, 10 rounds might be good. And especially as like, I heard the international draft might be instituted soon as well. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, they're, they're, the draft kind of falls in line with some of the unknowns we're facing right now because, you know, depending on how many minor leaguers there are playing or how many teams are playing, however the minor league season unfolds, if it does unfold, it's probably going to have a hand in how many rounds you have. Because if you're not having a minor league season or you're not going to have your traditional minor league structure this year and you you know, put a select group of players somewhere like Sarasota, you probably don't need more than five or ten rounds. Because you're That's not going to have to fill that many rosters. Um, again, it's something we had to wait and see. But I think that even in the event that the draft is you know cut down sizably, the Orioles can still get a good bit of value. Um. Any other thoughts that either one of you have as far as the limbo we're sitting in right now with minor league baseball that we haven't discussed? Well, what do you guys think of the 40 teams being eliminated potentially or most likely? Or do you think it's a good idea, bad idea? Well, I don't, you know, I, it's been kind of back and forth for a while. Um, you know, the merits of it are going to be better realized if we get to the point where teams are cut. I think that Major League Baseball's argument has been that it is time for a more efficient player development process. Um, the thing for me, there's a, there's a lot of implications that are going to have to be realized. One of them is cutting professional baseball out of 40 cities. Um, maybe a Dream League comes in, maybe it doesn't. We don't really know yet. But then beyond that, you're going to have fewer players in the major league pipeline uh players are gonna in theory work their way up be expected to work their way up the ladder faster 
because you're not going to have as many levels. Long term, all of that remains to be seen, but I think if it does go into effect, we're obviously going to be looking at a much different landscape for player development going forward. Yeah, that was something that, you know, I I don't buy any Major League Baseball's arguments as to why they're doing this, but, you know, when you look at, like, the will this impact talent at the Major League level, I don't really know. I think if, if you had to cut 30 Oriole minor leaguers right now, um, could you do it without sacrificing the level of talent? Uh, yeah, I think you could do that in every franchise. But the last thing baseball needs is less baseball, I think. And like like you said, taking baseball out of 40 cities. And I grew up in right outside of Norfolk. And so they were a Mets. The Tides were the Mets AAA affiliate at the time. But I spent my summers at Harbor Park. And I was born and raised an Orioles fan. But if the Mets were on TV, I watched Mets baseball. Um, just because, you know, I, I watched a lot of those minor leaguers come up through the system. And, you know, the... I think about like the employees of all those teams and, and the impact those teams have on, on those local cities like Frederick, the impact that team has. And, and I think that's unfortunate if this is the way it goes. But unfortunately, I think it is what's going to happen. So. Yeah, uh, I'm of two minds. I mean, I do think there's probably too much filler in minor league baseball. It's a rough way to say it. Organiza- organizational players, and I know they serve their role. And if they could do it in a way where... It created a robust independent league system or it just seems like the only reason they want to cut teams is for money saving purposes and efficiency, like you said. So I don't know. I could go either way. I don't think the motives are right, but I don't think at least if they stop after this, I heard there's rumors of even cutting it to only three levels going forward. But if they stop right here, maybe they could unintentionally have some good results. Yeah, I, I am concerned long-term, and, and Nick alluded to this, and I can relate, uh, growing up in Hagerstown, which you know, is a team that has, again, it's nothing's final, but that is a team that has popped up as potential contraction. Um, you know, there is something to be said for reducing the number of teams, having fewer teams that have that close association with Major League Baseball in the country. And I think from a fan perspective, I'm concerned what that's going to do for the sport long-term. Uh, player development wise, like I said, it's going to put more emphasis on efficiency and it's going to put more emphasis on analytics really having to deliver. All right, you know, we've gotten, you know, baseball to this point. Now we really need to take over the player development process and do it in a more analytical way, do it with different technology where the facilities within minor league ballparks can accommodate all of this. Um, some of it, like reducing travel, I can understand where Major League Baseball is coming from, and I think that's going to be a goal of realignment if they do get to that point. But, you know, long term, I do have concerns that MLB is going to be cutting itself off from a fan base that in the past it has usually had. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. All right. Well, um, that's kind of where we are right now with minor league baseball. A lot of questions uh, remain to be answered over the coming weeks and months. And gener- once we find out what's going on with major league baseball, we should have a better sense of what's going on with minor league baseball. Um, in the meantime, in between shows, we have been updating uh, Baltimore sports and life. There's been a ton of content on the Ravens draft. We've had a few stories of the Orioles up there of late. The message board remains active. And, of course, you can always check us out on Twitter at, at BSL 
um, the verds, and we keep that updated regularly. Um, we will definitely have a show again because of the draft, and obviously when a plan does come into place, we'll be in here with our thoughts. Uh, Nick and Bob, before we sign off, anything that you want to add? I think just stay safe. Um, I know freedom is on the horizon for a lot of people, or it's, uh, <laughs> things are starting to open up. Um, just stay think safe. think it's a mirage. Smart. I, I know. <laughs> Just, you know, be smart and realize that, you know, yeah, your, your state might be opening and you might be able to go to the bar or the restaurant, but, um, you know, we, we want sports back. We want life back. Um, you know, yeah. I know my mom's a nurse. My dad works at a grocery store and, and I want this thing ended as soon as possible because I, I want them safe. Um, you know, sports is kind of secondary at times, uh, but, you know, having the NFL draft even the WNBA draft was a lot of fun to watch and enjoy. Um, so yeah, I think just, just be smart. So everybody stays healthy. We get through this and we, we finally knock this thing out. Yeah. Completely agree with all that. Unfortunately, there's not more for us to talk about, you know, kind of the whole world is at a standstill right now. So watch as many movies and TV shows as you can get caught up on that. And, uh, we'll be here when everything's back to normal. Yeah, and Trey Mancini, we're with you. Get well soon. Um, for Nick Stevens and Bob Phelan, I am Zach Spedden. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and we look forward to coming back uh, soon with more to discuss about the 2020 baseball season, the draft, anything else that could come along. In the meantime, continue to follow us on Twitter. Check Baltimore Sports and Life regularly for new stories and more discussions on our message board. Thanks for listening.